From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. From Snakes and Lattes, Toronto's premier board game cafe, this is the Snakes Cast, a weekly podcast where the game gurus of Snakes and Lattes discuss what it is about games that make them worth playing. With your host, Jonathan Moriarty. Welcome to the Snakes Cast, everyone. Joining me today are my colleagues Scott Moyle, hello, and Mikhail Onorides. Hey. And today we're going to talk. We're going to hit you with some jargon here. Uh, usually we try not to do. Too, well, actually, let's try. That's not really true. I do like to bring up jargon because it makes people think I'm smarter than I actually am. <laughs> um, today we're going to talk about perfect information games. A perfect information game is a game in which every player sitting at the table knows everything there is to know about what's going on in the game at all times. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing you don't know about. No cards that the players are holding you can't see. No cards in a deck that haven't been drawn yet that you can't see. No dice to roll whose numbers you're not going to know what they are. Something where you know the whole thing. Um, Tic-tac-toe is a perfect information game. You know everything there is to know. There are a lot of the earliest games that people learn. Tic-tac-toe, Connect Four, uh, Chess, Checkers. Uh, a lot of the, the oldest games too, like Go and Mancala. Thousands of years old are perfect information games. Um, do you guys uh, have you guys played Perfect Information games before? You, do, you, do you like them at all? Yeah, Quarto is actually one of my all-time favorite games ever. Uh, Quarto is uh, probably the most interesting take on tic-tac-toe I've ever seen. Really uh, is. That's the one where you got these 16 wooden pieces, and eight of them are light, and eight of them are dark, eight of them are tall, eight are short, eight are hollow, eight are solid, eight are circular, and eight are square, but there's no two exactly alike. And to win, you've got to get four in a row with one thing in common. And the catch is that you don't get to choose which piece you play next. Your opponent hands you a piece, and that's what you have to work with. Uh, It's not about playing a brilliant game. It's about not screwing up and (laughs) handing over the win. It's just a very simple little puzzle of a game. And uh, do you think that's something that's that's the case usually with perfect information games? I mean, if, if you know everything there is to know... Yeah, then the, then the interest has got to come from either the interaction of the brains at the table or the interaction of, of you know, something you have to keep track of. And in Quarto, it's about who keeps track of those four factors, color, shape, height, solidness, uh, best. How about you, Mikhail? You, uh, you like perfect information, information games or do you prefer stuff where there's things the players don't know? I'm really finding it hard to think of examples of perfect information games that aren't abstract. Like, could you name off a few for us? Well, let's see. Uh, there's Hey, That's My Fish. Uh, that's the one with the penguins running around on ice floes. Um, I was trying to steal the good fish and block the other players from getting to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, uh, uh, there's, there's Balance of Power, which is a sort of a risk-like thing where you're moving generals and kings and bankers around on the board trying to kill each other. It's got a rocks, paper, scissors sort of thing going for it. I love that game. Uh, Puerto Rico is very nearly a perfect information game. Uh, that's, that's one of these heavy-duty European-style games where you're trying to build a business in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, any of those sort of appeal to you? Puerto Rico is one of my favorite games, actually. Mm. Do, I, do you like the sense of control of knowing exactly what's going on? Of course. Quite. Well, to be fair, it's because I've played that game extensively. <laughs> and I can usually bully around new players who haven't really played the <laughs> I have. Um, you want to take the craftsman. Take the craftsman. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can <laughs> provide, them, provide them with information that also benefits me. Because that game is really about piggybacking off what other people do. Right, like but uh, it's not so much about making the best move for you, but about making the move that's least good for everybody else. Indeed. And I can present a new player with information that would say, for example, you're going to make two corn off of this craftsman phase, whereas corn is the least valuable resource in the game. Meanwhile, on the other hand, if they pick craftsman, then I'm making four tobacco, which is significantly more valuable. 
and allows me to eke out that tiny bit of advantage. And the openness of the information means they don't necessarily have to give anything away. No, not necessarily. When you're doing this. It's all on the board. I can present it as evidence. So you can. Um, well, there, there's a few ways to hide information. You know, we mentioned cards and dice. There's also tiles and so on. Uh, there's also the idea of information that exists only in the other player's heads. Uh, the classic game that's sort of kind of but not really perfect information is rock, paper, scissors. Uh, you know everything there is to know about rock, paper, scissors, except what the other player is going to do. Uh, diplomacy is basically a great big game of rock, paper, scissors, where you're negotiating with the other players as far as what to do. Um, Win, lose, banana. Oh. <laughs> I'm not being helpful at all. <laughs> Win, lose, banana is, yeah, that, that, that's, that's another really great example of a perfect information game where you don't actually, actually, it's not perfect information. It wouldn't work if it did. I suppose. Oh, you're right. You One player. With win lose banana, it's 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 a three player game. There are three cards. Uh, one says win, one says lose, one says banana. You deal them out. The person who has the win card says I win. Uh, the thing is though that they have to have to decide which of the other two players has the banana, and both of the other two players are trying to convince the winner that they have the banana, and then the winner will choose who has the banana. If they correctly choose the banana, then the winner and the banana both win. And if they choose the person who says lose, then the person who has the lose card wins, and the other two players both lose. It is so, the best dollar I have ever spent on a game. <laughs> the thing is, though, that in a lot of ways, it's the opposite of a perfect information game. Yeah, you know which card nothing. you have. There's, there's absolutely nothing to go on except what the other players say. Uh, the, uh, the classic game, of course, of hidden information, uh, where the hidden information is absolutely crucial, is poker. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know what cards you have, you don't know what cards the other players have, and you don't know what cards are going to come up next. But based on that, you have to make choices. And so it feels like there's less control. Does that ever bug you? Playing games where you don't where, where you don't know what's going to happen next. That's so liberating. <laughs> the chaos liberating is legitimately how? liberating. How's that? Um, there's no. Oh, how often have you played a game where you make a dumb move? And this is more obvious in perfect information games because yeah. everybody can parse the same situation that you're working on. You see exactly where you went wrong. And then yeah, they go, why did you do that? Well, in poker, <laughs> you, legitimately, you can go. Oh, I was hedging my bets on something else, or I was really hoping that this would come up, or you know, my hand would have been fantastic if. Yeah. Right. You know, it's it's the perfect defense against my own idiocy. <laughs> you can blame the cards, blame the dice. Yeah. Uh, you know, blame the fact that there's no way you could have known. Exactly. You didn't know what I knew, so don't judge me. You ever hide behind those excuses, Mikhail? All the time. Constantly. <laughs> um, that we were just talking about it during our Risk episode, mm -hmm. but I tend to love it when I can hide behind that, and I tend to hate it when other people can hide behind it. <laughs> A bit of a double-edged sword, I suppose. Oh, so all, all things considered, would you rather play a game where everybody has that option, or rather get, play a game where all the cards are on the table, everybody knows what's going on? The former, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, game, well, like I said earlier, games where all, everyone has all the information tend to reward the player who's put the most time into the game, mm. um, knows all the key strategies, and knows what to do at each juncture of the game. Et cetera, so on, so Especially when you're playing with two players. Of course. Because at that point, the strongest player is pretty much guaranteed to win. Uh, with, uh, if there's a decent amount of interaction, though, I suppose in some ways uh, that can also open it up because if everybody knows that you, Mikhail, <laughs> have put all this time and effort into getting good at this, then we know to gang up on you and we also know not to listen <laughs> to your advice. Because that's, it's that's clearly right. designed to bring about our downfall. Rule zero. Anytime I teach I'm the boss, somebody <laughs> will, uh, somebody at the table, and there are a couple of guys in particular, will explain that rule zero is don't take Scott's advice. <laughs> Ever. It's, yeah. 
fantastic. So, uh, what what do you think it is about uh, perfect information games that might draw people, some people to them, and make other people not like them quite so much? Why do a lot of people like them? They're pure test of skill, like knowing that you are able to defeat the other players at the table by virtue of your own talent at the game is quite a turn on for a lot of gamers, I think. You think that drives a lot of people away too? Oh, most definitely. Um, if you, for example, were to ask me to play a chess game against Kasparov, then <laughs> I probably wouldn't take you up on the offer unless he was going to sign my chessboard afterwards. <laughs> like, I would be destroyed within five or six moves. Pretty much. Even yeah. less, without even realizing it. And, you know, I probably wouldn't have a lot of fun. You think that's the reason why? Because uh, I, I, in, in the cafe, I find in a lot of in a lot of cases, as soon as I bring out a game that has that looks abstract, where the pieces aren't supposed to be anything, they're not supposed to represent dragons or real estate or spaceships or whatever, um, where it's just pieces, uh, a lot of people are really intimidated by that. They think it's going to be some Mr. Spock type of thing. <laughs> they think they're in for go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I mean, the appeal of abstracts is simple to learn, but potentially deep strategies. Uh, I think people need to recognize that playing it on the, the introductory level, where you haven't mined all the deep strategies, can still be a, a valuable and fulfilling game. Yeah, especially if you play as somebody else who's also new to it. Exactly, and that's of kind of the one of the nice things about perfect information games, I think, is the appeal. The first time I'm playing it, when I'm learning it, I can legitimately ask you any question I need to ask you. There's no element of, say I had a card that did this or this, what might that card do? You know, it's difficult for me to ask that without messing up the game, and it's difficult for you to, in good faith, answer it. Um, in a perfect information game, I can legitimately say, okay, so the crafts does what for me, and then I might want to follow up with, and Mikhail the Craftsman does what for you, um, but I can in good faith ask those, and you can in good faith answer them. And I would answer you truthfully. Yeah, and that's there's a lot of appeal, That's really that can make for a really accessible learning curve. And uh, one of the things that makes those things further accessible, I find, is when it is either colorful or cute. Oh. Uh, block us mm -hmm. with those bright, colorful, Tetris-y shaped plastic pieces mm -hmm. really draws a lot of people in. Even people who would ordinarily be afraid to play a game with little wooden pawns moving around. Uh, hey, that's my fish. Has those uh, adorable, sassy plastic penguins yep. <laughs> running around on those ice floes collected. It's a perfect information abstract strategy game, mm -hmm. but it's cute. And I find that that has an enormous effect on, on bringing people in who otherwise might not. Sometime I will show you the Quarto set that I made. It is pirate-themed. Um, really? Yes. What are the four I, characteristics of a pirate? Okay, so the pieces, uh, I made it by gluing together wooden discs. So they're short or tall. Okay. They're light wood or dark wood, uh, like quarto. They are, um, they have a skull or a cutlass on them, and that skull or cutlass is red or white. Um, and then the board is just a chunk of sailcloth that I, uh, that I charcoaled a, a 4x4 grid onto um, and scorched the corner because it, it has some prop value. It was made for a, uh, an interactive theater venue. But I use it all the time, partially because I just love the game, partially because, hey, it's a little pirate abstract. <laughs> it's, it, it's a strange thing, too, because that, that, that would do so much to disarm that intimidation factor that comes in when you bring out an abstract. So many people, even people who grew up playing games like Connect Four, which is absolutely a perfect information abstract game, are, are sort of intimidated by the idea of playing this sort of game. Yeah, there's um, a retheme of Corridor that's Mice in a Maze. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. It's much nicer. How come we don't have that one on our shelves? We do have one somewhere. It's, it's framed as Kids Corridor. It is mechanically identical. <laughs> 
and it's plastic instead of wood. It doesn't match the other uh, gigantic boxes, so I think that's why it's uh, in the so. archive. But yeah, mice and amaze. We can have kids gobbling out there. Yeah, that's 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 a great idea. Yep. Um, the uh, it, it's a strange thing too. We don't see a lot of perfect information games that have a strong theme to them. Usually, they are just circles and squares and colored pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is, why is it so hard, I wonder, to, for, for people to make games that, uh, that, that, that where all the information is available, where there's like a story to it, where there's a plot in the game? Is, well, you know, there's an element to story. You want to know, stories are exciting because you don't know what happens next, mm. right? Um, I played a game of Small World the other day with my roommate, who's a, a big, big fan of fantasy lit. And uh, he was narrating the ages of our small world and describing himself as a benevolent god one round and an angry Old Testament god the next uh, based on how he was using and abusing his races. But that kind of story is only really exciting if you don't know what happens next. The end of Mouse in a Maze Corridor is a mouse gets the cheese at the end of the maze. I can tell you the end of the story right now. That makes it a less engaging story. <laughs> but is it going to be my mouse or your mouse? That's true. That's true. And oddly enough, it's funny you should pick Small World because with the exception of that die, which you might roll once per turn, mm-hmm. it's, wait for it, folks, a perfect information game. Oh, I love Small World. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that, that's, that's a few uh, things to think about with these sorts of things. But uh, most important, if I leave you with nothing else, folks, Perfect information games don't necessarily have to be intimidating. The fact that you know everything out there doesn't necessarily have to mean you have to play perfectly, especially if your opponent is also new. Remember, you're not playing the game, you're playing the person across from you. You can still have fun in the shallow end of the pool. (laughs) Absolutely. And we hope you'll have a chance to try some perfect information games the next time you visit Snakes and Lattes. Till then, I'm Jonathan Moriarty, with Mikhail Onorides, and Scott Moyle. Game on. Game on. Game on. And thanks for listening. We'll have a new Snakes cast for you every week at snakesandlattes.com. In the meantime, you can follow us through your favorite social networking sites, such as Facebook and Twitter, or best of all, meet our gurus in person at Snakes and Lattes in Toronto. Until then, this is P.T. Douglas. Game on.